Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, it's Damian Mason. Thanks for joining me for another great episode of the Do Business Better podcast. I've got a guest today named Jennifer Peak. Her business is Peak Advisory Group. She's a CPA that started her own business nine years ago, helping companies value themselves. So what we're going to talk about today with our guest is the value of your business, the mistakes you might be making that bring the value of your business down, what you can do to make your business worth more. Uh, we're going to talk about why you should understand the value of your business, even if you're not going to sell it. We're going to talk about other things that this business owner and advisor to businesses can provide you to help your business do business better. Jennifer Peak, welcome to the Do Business Better podcast. Thank you. All right. So give me the background here. You're a Kansas City girl. You go to college. You've got a, a master's degree and uh, and then you're a CPA. So I'm imagining before you started your own business nine years ago, you're sitting there uh, doing people's taxes, right? No, you're uh, you're you're helping some company uh, keep their books in order. Tell me what it was like 10 to 15 years ago. Sure. So when I first came out of college, I worked for a public accounting firm doing audit work of a variety of different companies. And our primary clients in that accounting firm were family-owned businesses. So companies that were started by a dad, perhaps, or a grandfather, and that had grown and grown and grown. And in some cases, the kids worked there and they were going to hand their businesses off to the kids. So that's really where I started my career. Um, from there, I went to work for a really large company. So a Fortune 50 company and worked for them for about 15 years. And during that time is where I got the vast majority of my experience prior to starting my own firm anyway, um, with mergers and acquisitions. So whether we were buying companies or whether we were selling portions of our company to other companies, um, I had a lot of experience on that side. And and we bought companies that were, some of them were, were smaller. Then um, not everything was started, you know, with a billion dollars. So that was really an interesting time to see the transactions from both sides. So when I left that large corporate job a little over nine years ago and started my own company, I took the elements of what I had learned in all of my career to date, which included that work. It included day-to-day -day accounting operations and financial reporting and brought it into my firm so that I could start to do the, the pieces of my job that I really loved, which was combining that small to mid-sized company experience that I had at the beginning of my career with all of the learnings that I had at the Fortune 50 company to help you know, the smaller business owners, the self-employed owner operators, and help them understand how they could grow their business, what kind of value they could generate out of their business at some point when they exit it. Even if you know, business owners don't wanna sell tomorrow, um, 
there's usually going to be some sort of transition and helping them plan for that and maximize their value towards that end is, is what we focus on. Okay. So I'm, 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 I'm a self-employed person. It's my wife and me, and then uh, occasional freelance help. And then uh, I, I have service providers. So if I want to sell my business tomorrow, I don't have much to sell. You know, I've got, I've got books on the shelf. Right. I got books on the shelf, uh, a seven-year-old laptop and uh, some promotional material. I sell me as a speaker, advisor, consultant, uh, trainer, what have you. But let's say the person that's out here that has a small business, um, you know, if they're a service provider like me and it's just the, that person, they probably don't have anything to sell. Maybe a truck or a van if they're, you know, a, a, whatever, you know, a window washer or something like that. So what we're talking about is not the self-employed generally because the self-employed person is the business, right? Yes. And the, the, I think there's a distinction and this is maybe a distinction we need to make between a self-employed person like you, where what you're really selling is your expertise um, versus perhaps somebody that is self-employed as an owner operator and um, owns a carpet cleaning franchise. It may just be them, right? And they may have some part-time help here and there if they get a whole bunch of work. But there's value in that franchise and that customer list. Okay, because so because they, they might run around like where you live in Kansas City. They say, hey, I pretty much clean uh, 10% of the carpets in Overland Park, Kansas, for crying mm -hmm. out loud. Don't tell me that my business has no value. I've got uh, a truck. I've got uh, a, a van. I've got an office. I have this equipment. But more importantly, I have uh, 1,600 clients just in the last two years. Is that kind of what we're talking about? That is exactly what we're talking about. And so then how do you value that business? Let's just take that hypothetical Overland Park, Kansas uh, carpet cleaning business. How do you, how do you put a value on that? So the very first step is figuring out what the profit of the operations is. And it, typically we start with tax returns. Um, most small businesses, they, they do their bookkeeping, but a lot of times they have their tax accountant do their bookkeeping. They don't have, you know, month in and month out financial statements. Um, and then the other element of looking at the tax returns is that it's an independent filing. And if someone is going to sell their company, the person who's going to buy their company is probably going to have to get a bank loan and the banks are most likely to rely on the tax returns. So we start with the tax returns. Yeah. And now the other and part of that, Jennifer, um, uh, we, those of us that run our own little enterprise, sometimes people make sure that their tax returns don't show a lot of profit. So the hypothetical carpet cleaner in Overland Park says, right. um, yeah, I didn't really need to buy this truck, but basically I bought it through the business to avoid paying taxes. And I didn't really need to take this trip to St. Petersburg uh, in January, but I did go to one day of a conference and I spent the rest of the month at a condo down there when I called it all business expense. Um, that happens, right? Uh, all the time. And so, so and so you're sitting there, so, you're, you're sitting there saying, hey, wait a minute, I don't mind that you are trying to minimize your taxes, but you're also, and sometimes you're minimizing the potential uh, value of your business. That's right. And and so one of the things that we can look at from a valuation perspective then from that, from that perspective, so let's call it step two, is what expenses are 
running through the business that aren't required for the operation of the business. And then adjusting those out or adding them back in, you know, reducing the shown expenses of the business to what it really takes to operate the business. So, you know, it may have taken that day's conference in St. Petersburg, but it didn't take the entire month at the condo. Um, so, so we add those things back in. Okay. So you add them back in and then the potential buyer says, okay, I get it that you were just, uh, you just kind of, uh, were, uh, trying to find another $40,000 of expenses this particular year. Uh, and that's why you bought that truck and did a few of these other things because the game that you're supposed to play, you know, per the IRS. So how many years of profit are we talking about to set the value? Is it one, two, five? Usually three. Um, so most of the time that you'll, you'll see a three year average at the all, the, the times where you won't see that get used are if there is some overarching economic event, mm-hmm. a recession as an example, or if there is something that's changed in the business during that time frame that makes that not a representative period. Um, so now if you have a if you have a a year where you had a lot of expenses I'll, I'll use an example um let's say that that in year 2 of that 3 year time frame uh you decided that you were going to completely redo your website get a whole bunch of new branding and that was an unusual expense so we can either do one of two things with that we can add it back because it's unusual and in all honesty, the new owner should benefit from that and not have to make that investment again. Or we could argue that year two is not representative of the results of the company and therefore shouldn't be included in the average. We have a, so yeah. we have a couple of options depending upon what has happened. Okay, a couple of options depending on what has happened. And you're saying, okay, uh, we're going to look at this and say, well, clearly uh, they did this because they needed to bump up and, and recreate themselves. And so that's why they bought new new advertising and they, they put up a new billboard, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Um, one of the big things then, because most of the people who are listening to this show are like, okay, I got my own business and I, I think I'm doing all right. I get it. Okay, let's, let's, I'm not ready to sell right now. Do I still need to know the value of my business? I think the, my answer of course is going to be yes. And, but, or, and (laughs) the reason that, (laughs) the reason that I say that is because I think it's helpful to know where your business is and what is creating the value inside your business. Because if you decided that you were fine with that value and then you could just keep running in the way that it is. If you decided that you weren't great with that value, you would want to know what additional things you could do to perhaps improve the value, but not dissimilar. And this is an example I use quite a bit at a time with selling a house. You don't want to over invest in your business um, and do a lot of things if they're not really going to provide a return on that investment. So yeah, basically what you're saying there is just like everybody that says, I've got to live in this house the rest of my life because I just went and put $50,000 of repairs into just the kitchen. And let's face it, the whole house is only worth $120,000. i am not going to get my money back out of this thing. That's right. So is that, that's kind of what you're saying. That's then. kind of what I'm Same saying. Same with the business. Same with the mm-hmm. business. So I think, it just, mm-hmm. yeah, I like, think it's a nice baseline for people to understand 
you know, what they have and, and, and where it sits. And then they can decide if they want to take any action based on that. Uh, Jennifer, if besides overspending, let's say, yeah, I, I, my business is only ever going to be worth half a million dollars. And so why would I go and spend $300,000 on this new, uh, you know, initiative that's never going to increase the value. So what other mistakes do, do business owners make? Uh, when you are from your standpoint as an advisor that they you're like going, good God, stop doing this. So again, I'll go back to my house example. You know, one of the things that's true about businesses similar to houses is the way that you live in your business and run your business on a day-to-day basis isn't necessarily the same way that you would sell it. So as an example, it may make a lot of sense in the way that you run your business, that the business owner is the primary salesperson. But when you go to sell your business, you are limiting who you can sell your business to by virtue of the fact that somebody's going to have to replace you in that role. So one of the things that we really ask our business owners to look at is, is that a risk that you want to take? Do you want to try to hire a salesperson before you sell or do we want to make sure that you sell to somebody who's going to be able to replace you as the owner operator and has that skill set? And, okay. and, yeah. So, so, so that's one of so, the, the big things. Well, the only thing is uh, a lot of times the business owner, you know, and I've, I worked for a small business back when I was in my early 20s. Uh, as an internship and the business really was three employees and then mom and pop. But the thing is, the business had sales, had revenue, had some assets, had some facilities, had, had a book of uh, clients. But how much of the business then do you say is old man Pete and his wife? Mm-hmm. You know, that's always going to be the dilemma, right? Yes. And, and, and the answer is it, it depends on what old man Pete and his wife are actually doing. So let's the, the easy example is if they come into the office for a couple hours a day, they say hi to everybody, they make sure things are good, they occasionally have a meeting with a customer, and maybe they sign some checks, right? That's completely different than Pete's the face of the business. He's the only one that talks to the customers. He's right, going right. out, shaking hands at all the Chamber of Commerce meetings, right? Right. He's the one everybody, on the billboard and he's the he's one the that one on the billboard. Every, yeah, when everybody calls in there, they say, well, I need to talk to Pete. Uh, right. Well, uh, we have a salesperson. Yeah, well, I need to talk to Pete. Well, we, yeah. need, we have a customer service person. No, I need to talk to Pete. So that is the, and that, by the way, is the risk with many small businesses. That's I know right. that there's companies that I call up and I say, I need to talk to Pete. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, if we go back to our carpet cleaner example that we were talking about earlier, that's different, right? Because they're like, I call name of carpet cleaning franchise, right? I call Stanley Steamer. I call Chem Dry. I call whomever's cleaning my carpets. And I probably don't realize that, you know, six months ago, I talked to Dan and today I'm talking to Bob, right? I don't, in, in certain things, and, and if Bob bought the business from Dan, Dan probably taught Bob how to clean carpets, and there may yeah. have been training from the franchise or what have you. So sure. there, there are, are those instances as well. Okay. So that's one mistake where the owner or owner and spouse do too much and are too much the business. So that's one right. mistake. Not knowing the value is another mistake. Uh, overspending is another mistake. Anything else? 
You know, the other one that I'm going to touch on is I'll broadly refer to it as customer concentration. And there's certainly for a lot of small businesses, they're very geographic centric. So there's not much you can do to change that unless you want to start shipping products nationwide. But a lot of them are service-based businesses that offer local services and it's not possible for them to expand into other areas. Sure. Um, yeah. So the, you're, what you're going to get to is concentration of client, meaning they're good at what they do. They have a great product or service and they they got successful. And then they said, well, you know what? We don't need to go and get new customers. We're as busy as we want to be. We have these 14 customers or these 27 right. customers. Yep. And and if if your 27 customers represent a fairly um, even contribution to your revenue, not so bad. The problem is when, you know, one of those 27 is 25% of your revenue or 50% of your revenue. And, yeah. and, you know, if they were to leave, which that goes back to my comment about how you run your business. So when you're the business owner and you've had that customer and they've been with you for 15 years and they just, you know, they just basically to use an old school term, right? Facts in their orders, um, you know, or just submit them online. Jennifer, for the it. listeners, Jennifer, Jennifer, for the listeners <laughs> right now that are under the age of about 35, <laughs> uh, maybe even 40, for the you listeners out there under the age of 35, fax is is the uh, the short version of facsimile, which means this crazy old machine oh. you used to plug into the electric outlet and plug into your phone line and then transmit revolutionary at the time that it came out That's <laughs> revolutionary right. 30 years ago when it came out you would send via fax yes okay all right so uh if you don't know what it is google it right google right. fax that's right um, yeah so I, I hear what you're saying and i think that that happens to a lot in fact i've had a guest on my podcast that they didn't even realize the the dilemma they were actually saying hey i'm just going to get to where i just concentrate on my big 10 customers well again that's probably okay if the big 10 customers are 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%. But you have one year where even at 10 customers, two of them either stop using you, go out of business, owner dies, relationship changes, whatever it is, move offshore. You just lost 20% of your revenue. 20% revenue decline is sometimes enough to send a small business person uh, out of business. That's right. And, okay. and, and I, in my experience, at least the, the opportunity for the business owner to be more involved with the customers is higher when you have fewer customers. So now you have kind of the double whammy, right? You've got the, the owner who's the face of the business, who's the only one that the customers talk to, and you only have 10 customers. Yep. So that's mistakes. I, I think I hear you not valuing your business, spending too much money on your business, being the primary owner and also being the face of the business and the person that does most of the work can be a problem. And again, if you're self-employed like me, that's that's kind of the issue. Uh, but that's different. Like you said, I'm selling my expertise as a service provider. I don't even intend to have a business that right. someday somebody's going to come and buy. And then, of course, the other one is putting all of your eggs in one basket, as they say, having too few customers, too few clients. Uh, what about what about the person that says, okay, I got it. I now know why I need to value. I'm going to think about how to value my business. Besides tax returns, you know, what about then they say, well, I've got three facilities. I sell sandwiches all around town. I've got uh, 21 employees and uh, my assets are worth something. So 
you put a value on the assets, you put a value on the book of business, on the tax returns. Tell me a quick uh, ballpark on how we get that figured out. Well, it, it, it really starts with the overall profitability of the business. And then from there, looking at um, whether elements of that are specific to those items that you just named. So if I have, um, let's use an easy example. I've got a sandwich shop in a part of town and my lease is grandfathered. And even if it's been rezoned, I get to stay there. So there is an and even if the owner changed, right? So there is a discrete value associated with that competitive advantage, which is in this case, location and the cost of the rent. So we would attribute a portion of the, the value of the business and even increase the value of that business because of that competitive advantage. Because comparing, first of all, nobody else can move in there. So there's really not a comparative. But even if there was, another sandwich shop can't do that same thing, right? They don't have the same favorable rent. They don't have the same great location. Um, the same thing with certain employees, uh, okay. if, if they've been there a long time and, and those types of things. All right. So Jennifer, I'm, I'm a business owner. I'm thinking I want to sell my business in a year or two besides, okay, I, I remove myself from being the main face of the business. That may, that way it looks like my business is not just me. I don't overspend. I start looking at ways to show better profitability. What else do I need to do? Really think about who you want to sell your business to. Um, okay. because, As in a person or a category? I think uh, my buyer is this kind of a person, or I think my business is are these three people. I'm um, really a category. And so when we work with our sellers, that's one of the things I ask. I ask them two questions related to buyers. Who should buy your business and who shouldn't? Um, and so it's, it's a really interesting to get their take on that because I think it helps them also crystallize who they want to sell to. And, and, it. it's, and it's more about the fact that if they didn't want that business to continue, they would just close it down. Right. I mean, certainly part of it's the money, but they want to make sure that it continues on. So they want to find the best fit for who's going to own that business. Right. Right. All right. Her name's Jennifer Peak. She told you what you need to know about valuing your business, why you need to value your business, how to value your business. She told you what you do to make your business more valuable. She told you the mistakes that business people make when they look at their business or how they run their business. She's available if you want to find her, if you want to have her value your business. You can find her where, Jennifer? At peakadvisory.com. And that's peak with two E's, not with an A. That's correct. Okay. And uh, her, her email is jennifer.peak with two E's at peakadvisory.com. She's out of Kansas City, but she probably can work with you no matter where you are. Uh, closing thoughts about business valuation. Last idea. One thing that everybody, no matter what, can use to make their business more valuable. Oh, wow. Just the one thing. Um, really, I think it's just to be aware and to pay attention to what's going on inside your business. Got it. Don't let the thing get away from you. That's just because right. when it's always, when it just runs on autopilot, eventually it hits a mountain, right? <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> Her name is Jennifer Peak. Till next time, it's the Do Business Better podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you.